Hope that you've had a good week or had a good week last week. We uh, had a great south wind yesterday and then a great north wind today. <laughs> and so uh, all the, the fun with allergies, I'm sure, is coming and is here. Uh, but I want to thank you again for being here. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. First time guest, thank you for being here. Uh, we want to uh, encourage you to go by the Welcome Center and uh, fill out an information card so we can be a blessing to you, answer any questions, and uh, again, give you a gift that, you ha- uh, that we have for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 6 this morning. And uh, we've been walking through this, this study, uh, this historical account of the church. And uh, it's, uh, it's been such a, a great thing. Again, preached through this um, um, a long time ago, many, many years ago. And I felt like it was uh, the, the right time the Lord had impressed my heart to preach through Acts again. And I don't know how far we'll get into Acts, but we'll do it until he says stop. And, uh, but up to this point, we've seen uh, the apostles of Jesus Christ follow his instructions from the very beginning um, to go back to Jerusalem to pray, to wait for the Comforter. So they did that. They obeyed, went back, prayed. We saw a great move of God in that room that they were, th- that they were praying and waiting for the promise that Jesus had given them that the Comforter would come. Uh, then we saw them persecuted in prison. We've seen them endure all of this, even beatings for the cause of Christ. We've seen them come out each time, every time after the, the persecution, the imprisonment, the beating, the warning, all those things, they came, they've come out so far with great fervor and zeal to preach the Word of God even more than they did before. Many, many are, uh, in, the, in the world today, I think, would, would run And there were some in that day that did run, but most of those stuck. They had forsaken all. They had given up everything in their life to follow Jesus Christ. And so when the the hard times came, they they knew, number one, that they were going to come. But secondly, they counted it an honor, a joy to suffer anything for the name of Jesus Christ. Today, I've said it many times before, but we don't face the persecution in America that Uh, Those first disciples, those first followers of Jesus Christ faced uh, 2,000 years ago. And I don't think that it's really in any form uh, that they faced back then. I I think there's probably some areas of of persecution and maybe uh, some ways there are uh, acts of of persecution or terror against Christians in America, if you will. Uh, But we we don't have that type of persecution that our brothers and sisters did at the very beginning of the church. But what is such a struggle today is that it seems like we are more apt to keep silent for the cause of Christ. And, and, and the question that always comes to my mind for my life, for our life, for, for the church today is why? why? Why is it that we are so silent compared to our persecuted brothers and sisters at the beginning of the church? You know, it takes us out of our, our personal comfort zones. It takes, it takes us out of what our, our, our lifestyle is. And it causes us to engage the spiritual. And when we get out of that, that physical, fleshly, earthly, worldly, temporal, um, focused and driven life, and we begin to, to, to work and operate and, 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 and move and, and walk according to the spiritual, then it causes us. To, to, to pull back in the flesh, 
It causes fear. It causes anxiety. It causes all kinds of things. But man, if we can get there every day and, and live and, and, and operate like that, we would be working and striving for something so far better than what we're working and striving for today in the temporal. Someone propositioned us in this room, walked in here and said, I've got a deal for you. If you do this, you'll receive $1 million. Think about that. Just let it sink in for a second. They walked in this room and said, if I can just have a moment for every person in this room, if you will just do this, I'll give you guaranteed $1 million. Chances are, whatever that task was, every person in this room would try to figure out how we would get beyond the obstacles, how we would work through it to do what that person said so that we could get that million dollars, to get our hands on that money. And, and, and the reality is it's, it's a, a reflection of what happens in our lives as we're living in these temporal vessels in a tangible world. What, will, what links we'll go to, what we will do to get our hands on what we feel is valuable, something tangible and it's valuable. What we realize is, or don't realize is, if we would just see beyond the obstacles, we would see beyond the fear, see beyond the struggle, see beyond our own selves or, or what might be, if we could see beyond all those things as we witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, as we share the gospel, that God has not propositioned us, but has promised us rewards that can't vanish or tarnish. If we, if we could get beyond all of that, Unlike the million dollars, we would grab hold of riches and treasure that will never go away. Eternal treasures. On top of those rewards that we might get just last week in, a, in, in the youth service, there was a young lady who professed Christ as her Lord and Savior. Those, those, those things, you, you cannot compare anything in this world. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, and you see someone get saved... There's nothing in this world that compares to that. Amen. On top of that blessing of, of witnessing someone being born again, someone professing faith in Jesus Christ, on top of all of that, we get the great blessing of eternal rewards. We get the great blessings, the great reward of not only serving our Lord, but gaining Christ himself, as Paul said. And as we get started this, in this message this morning, I... Um, I want to start with the challenge. Ask yourself right, right now, sitting in that seat, ask yourself right now, are you more, are we more, or, or would you more, or would we be more zealous to have more money in our life right now than we are to get souls into heaven? Think about that and ask yourself, am I more zealous to get more money or more stuff, more whatever, than I am to get more souls into heaven? And the reality is every single one of us can get so wired for this world that we forget the great value of a soul. We've been praying that this year would be 
a more fruitful year than we've ever seen before. We'd see more souls saved than we ever had before. And this morning, as the men were praying at the altar this morning, we, we prayed that every single Sunday. And I praise God for the soul that was added in the month of January to the kingdom of God. And I'm praying that there would be more, that each month that we, we see in February and then in March and in April, that those numbers would continue to multiply. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I, 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 I love, again, we face no real persecution. We don't, we don't face anything that, that is silencing the gospel, that is telling us that if you do this, this is going to happen. You won't face anything like that. Yet the early church did, and they were coming out more refined, more passionate, more zealous for the things of God. And that kind of points to what Brother Jeffrey was saying last week. He wants to get punched in the face for Jesus. I don't know how many people were wanting to, to do that and, and accomplish him uh, or, or help him feel accomplished in that. But I hope that you got the point that he, he wanted to live his life in such a way that it brought about the persecution that the first church was facing and sharing the gospel and living his life completely unabandoned. We should all desire to live our lives in such a way that we don't fit into this world. This world looks at, looks at us, and just as Jesus said, they will hate you because they first hated me. In this first church, they were, they were looking with different eyes. They were living with a different passion. And they saw the persecution that they were facing as a crown. They saw it as a reward, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an honor to the king that had laid down his life for them. They realized that the suffering that they were enduring was a great treasure in itself. So why would it be any less of a value to even die for the cause of Christ? And that's where we left off the message again last week in verse 41, 42, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, every day, they couldn't get away from worshiping the Lord. They couldn't get away from, from teaching and encouraging each other in the word of God and sharing the gospel every day and in every house. In the temple, in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Again, they, they weren't citizens of, of this earth. They weren't citizens uh, of that land. They didn't see themselves, that they saw themselves as citizens of heaven. And they weren't simply renegades, even as Brother Jeffrey said last week, the, the, the rebels. They, they weren't just that, but they, they saw themselves as the redeemed saints of the Lord Jesus Christ, bought by his blood. That's how they viewed their lives, bound to his command. And so they had to speak. They had to share the gospel. They had to live every day, regardless of what it cost them, for the cause of Christ. And this morning, again... Are we even remotely close to that frame of mind? Are we even remotely close to that place in our heart? That we, it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter who slams the door. No matter who hits us in the face. No matter what we lose in this world. No matter what we have to go through. It doesn't matter. Because if we have to go through that, because we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's a joy. It's an honor. Are we even close to that state of mind? Are we presenting evidence in our lives that we are the citizens of heaven? Because that's not only our message, but that's our life. 
If we've been bought by Jesus Christ, if we're redeemed, if we are no longer our own, just as Paul said in Corinthians, if we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, then we have to, again, evaluate whether we're as bound to the commands of Jesus as the first first believers were bound. We have to ask ourselves that. If I am blood-bought, if Jesus is my Lord, if he is my king, if I am a citizen of heaven, if I am am not of this world, if he is my God, if that's the case, just like it was for the apostles, does my life look as bound to the commands of the king as those first apostles do, those first followers do? Every day, no one forced them to be in the temple. No one hit them over the head to get together. No one made them or urged them or or pushed them to be in each other's house in small groups. Every day, they wanted to. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. I want to jump into this and just get a couple points. This morning, Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. And we thank you for uh, the time we've had already. And I pray that this morning, the Spirit, your Spirit, would challenge our hearts and our lives. God, it seems sometimes as, as Christians in this world, especially at this point in time, we, we're striving so much for a place of comfort in this world. And you told us very clearly that this, this world will be full of trials and tribulation. You said that in this, in this world we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer that you've overcome the world. Lord, help us not to strive for comfort in this world. Help us not strive to, 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 to live in a, a normal place on this earth right now. God, help us to have eternal eyes. Help us to have heavenly vision. Help us to realize that, that this world is going to pass away and all that's in it. But your words will never pass away. And so, God, I pray that you'll help us to live like the first church lived, which is complete abandon for your name and your cause. Lord, just move now and stir our hearts, do a work in this place that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 6, the first part of verse 1 says this, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, as I said a while ago, we've been praying that God would do more in this church. God, he, he would add more to this church than he ever has before. Not, not just this church, his church, the kingdom of God, more souls saved through this church than we have ever seen before. And it's not about the numbers, but it's about doing the work of God so that the people will be in the kingdom of God before it's too late. We, we've got to have that type of mindset that we're here. We were, we were driving last night and just talking about different things in the world and and uh, Addison said, it, it, it's so sad that the world is the way it is. Coming from a 12-year-old girl. And I said, that's 100% right. But what a blessing it is, what, how amazing it is that God has chosen us to live in this time. Amen. We could have lived in another time, but he chose us to live here now. And so we have a great privilege, a great responsibility to be who he's called us to be in this time on this earth. Years ago, I did a series called uh, Reproduce, and it was based on God's directive from the very beginning that his, the, his creation, his people, would be fruitful and to multiply. 
And we saw that was man's responsibility both physically to populate the earth, but we also saw the connection to that spiritually, that God wanted us to be fruitful and multiply both individually, that we would be sowing seeds of the gospel and seeing multiplication individually, but also collectively, that churches would go out, that churches would be planted, that, that missions around the world would go on. That's been God's desire from the very beginning. And this verse continues to verify that the disciples, the converts, they weren't just being added to the church. They weren't just being added to the kingdom of God. God did that initially in the beginning. If you remember, it says that 3,000 so, 3, 3, souls were added in one day. But now we come to chapter 6, and we see again they were being multiplied. It wasn't just the fact that God was adding one here or two here or even 3,000 here. Now there are multitudes. There are, there, there are people being multiplied into the kingdom of God. But how is that going on? How do you go from addition to multiplication? Many of you in here, you already know it's very simple. Peter and John were witnessing to somebody. That person would get saved. They, somebody else would witness to somebody. That person would get saved. But then those people who got saved would tell other people what happened to them. In addition to John and Peter and the other apostles telling people about what Jesus can do for them. And so it's not just two people telling one person or even two people telling two people. Now it's three people telling three people and then four people telling four people. And so you see the multiplication goes from nine to 16. It goes on and on and on and on. The souls were multiplying in the church. And I don't know about you. But man, I want to see God multiply souls into his kingdom. Now, I want to see people saved. I've got loved ones and friends and neighbors, and, and there's people that I'm praying for and that I've witnessed to, and that are invited and, and handed cards to, and, and some have come and some have not come, all, all those things. And I want to see those people added to the kingdom of God. I want to see them not just add, but I want to see you and, and all of us doing that to see souls multiplied into the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. That's an alert. But this is point number one in our, in our notes this morning. God is able and he still desires to multiply today. God is able and still desires to multiply today. This, this is such an important thing because we, we sometimes read the book of Acts and we think, well, that was, that was what God was doing in the very beginning. That was back then. Listen, God still wants us to be fruitful and multiply. God never put a timetable on that command with Adam and Eve. He never, he never said, look, I, I want to see souls added to my kingdom. I died for, for everybody. But at some point in time, I, I, I'm okay with just a few added. No, God, God never had that. He wants, the Bible says, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You've got to ask yourself, ask yourself this question. When is the last time that I invited someone to come to church, to come to Jesus Christ? When's the last time that I said to someone that Jesus can save you? When is the last time? If you've never done that, you've got to help. Get the souls into the kingdom. If you're saved, if you've been redeemed, if you've been bought, what are you doing? What are you doing with that? What are we doing? Man, we learn so much about how short and how 
vain life is the moment that someone leaves this earth. The sobering reality hits us. It's coming for me. How short life is. Their whole life, they worked and they planned and they, 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 they labored and they got and they gained. And now they're gone. And all the stuff and all the effort, see, yeah, but it's going to go on to their next generation. But, but what happens after that generation passes? That's why the, the, the Ecclesiastes writers said this, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. We shouldn't be laboring for this world. We should labor for the king. It's the last time you said, man, I got to do my part. I got to invite my neighbor. I got to invite my friend. I got to invite my coworker. I've got, I've got to tell somebody. I've got to do my part because we're never going to see multiplication if it just stayed Peter and John. It was just Peter and John who came out of that prison cell miraculously by the angel, standing in the temple, preaching Jesus Christ again, there there wouldn't be multiplication. But there were people that were continually sharing. It says that they all daily in the temple didn't cease and from house to house to preach and to teach Jesus Christ. They all were doing this. And that's when it says in chapter 6, verse 1, the disciples were multiplied. It's not just mine. It's not just... Brother Jeffries is not just the elders, not just some of the, 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 the faithful people that are doing that now. It's every single child of God, every single member of the church, we should be actively involved in sharing the gospel. All of us. God desires to multiply, and he's still able to do that today. And I believe that, and I hope you believe that too. It's so important for us to remember that God's been doing this since the beginning. Why is this so important for us to remember that God's been doing this multiplication and adding and he desires this? Why is that so important? Because John chapter 15 verse 8, Jesus said very clearly, this is how my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove that you're my disciples. What does that mean? The, the, the fruit of what? Well, what does that mean? Would you think about good works like, like being kind to your neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself? Yeah, those are, those are good works. But fruit is other Christians. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The, the fruit of, of your womb is your child, is, is, is a birth. And so as Christians, we are to be reproducing, bearing fruit. That's how God is, is glorified. But it absolutely takes faithful obedience. We have to have Faithful obedience. Again, two weeks ago, uh, Jaron Rogers, our, our missionary, he, he preached. And he talked about the furtherance of the gospel through obedience. Asking the question, the title of the message was, how far will you go? How far will you go? As I said a while ago, Brother Jeffrey, last week, the insurrection. These guys wouldn't be stopped. No matter what they faced, they would not be stopped. They wouldn't back down. Please listen, this type of fervor, this type of obedience to share the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ, come what may, fuels multiplication. When a a group of believers, when the church says, you know what, we are on fire, we we are passionate, 
And we are going to obey no matter how embarrassed we may get, no matter how many questions we may not be able to answer, no matter how many people say, quit telling me that religious stuff, you're a hypocrite. No matter how many things we face, we are going to, in passion and obedience, give the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, it fuels multiplication. What do you think that the church thought about whenever Peter and John were miraculously let out of that prison in the temple, preaching Jesus Christ after they were told not to? What do you think the church thought? Again, you don't have to think real hard because we read the verses a while ago. They counted a joy. They were like, man, this is amazing. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Can you imagine that? You know why maybe some Christians today are, are disenchanted with their faith? Because they're not being obedient to the faith. And so there's no, they're not seeing the promises of God fulfilled and they're struggling and wondering why is God allowed? Why is this going on? What is this, what's happening here? And, and, and maybe the reason is, is they're not being obedient. They're not being faithful to share the gospel. God does the saving. God does the adding. God does the multiplying. He's the one that, he does all that. But God has from the beginning chosen to use human vessels as the mode and the method. That's, that's what God has chosen, us. Romans chapter 116, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. But later in that chapter, as he continued to expound on salvation and expound what, what it was and how to, to, how to be saved and, and all those things, he, he very clearly said in Romans chapter 10, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or the word is proclaiming, prophesying? sharing it out loud. And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news or the gospel. So what's the problem today? If God desires and he's still able to multiply believers into his kingdom, if God is still able to not only add people into his kingdom, but see multiplication happen, what is the problem today? Why isn't multiplication happening in this church and other churches that are preaching the truth of the word of God? Do we not have the same good news? Do we not have the same gospel as the first church did? Absolutely, yes, we do. So then is it that God is lacking? If the gospel is the power of God's salvation, and we have the same gospel that transformed lives 2,000 years ago, it's still the same gospel today, not lacking any, any power. If it's the same gospel, then is it God who's lacking? Is it God not keeping his promise that he would save to the uttermost? Is it God who's saying, ah, not right now? Is it God? Absolutely not. And if it's not the message, if it's not the, the, the gospel that's lacking in power, and it's not God who's not sitting idle or who isn't able to save, if it's not that, if it's not him, 
then it must be the messengers. It must be us. I think part of the problem, major part, is that we just don't see the need for us personally to share. Well, that's what you're here for, Brother Kyle. No. No, that's what those people, they, they're comfortable talking to people. No. Well, they're an extrovert. No. Well, they like people. I don't like people. <laughs> we'll have an altar call in a second. kidding but part of the problem and again major part I think is we just don't see the need we get consumed with our lives we're so busy we're so active we got so many problems we got so many things got so much stuff we got all these things going on and we just don't see a daily personal need to share the truth with somebody with anybody it's just not there for most people I just don't know if I believe that. Look, there's way smarter people than me that actually ask people questions and do research. And one of those things, and people is is Barna. And and look at this statistic. Put it in your notes. They did a research. They did a survey in 1993. Look at that number. 89% of Christians believe that it was every Christian's responsibility to share their faith. Think about this. In 1993, almost every Christian believed, almost, not, not, almost 90% believed that it was every single Christian, that's mine, yours, every single individual that's a Christian, 90% of all Christians believe that every person, every Christian should be sharing their faith. But if you look at the next statistic, today, approximately 60% believe that every Christian should be sharing their faith individually. That, it, that it's every Christian's responsibility to share the faith. Think about this. That, that's almost 30 years, right? That's almost a knockdown of 10% every decade. Sixty percent. In another few years, half of all of Christianity would be convinced that everybody should be sharing their faith. Now think about this. If there's only 60% who believe that it's every Christian's responsibility to share their faith, that's just 60% that believe that every Christian should be. That's not 60% of Christianity sharing their faith. That's 60% that believes that every Christian should. You can do a quick survey for yourself. Are you a part of the 60 He said, absolutely, I think everybody should be sharing their faith. But are you? Am I? If the answer is no, then you can really quickly figure out there may not be hardly anybody regularly sharing their faith. Another sad reality is in the same study, the same person, Barna, Only around 50% are comfortable with inviting someone to church as means of sharing their faith. So not just, not not even having a gospel conversation, not even giving someone a a track, 
not even, not even saying, hey, can I, can, I, can I ask you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Not having anything like that. But 50% of those people say that I, I, I am only comfortable inviting someone to church, and I count that as sharing my faith. What if no one ever looks at the website? What if no one ever comes to church? What if no one ever logs on? We've got to get beyond ourselves. We've got to get beyond what's comfortable. We have to become fervent and obedient. The dark, ugly truth about no multiplication today is there's just not a whole lot of seeds being sown. And without seeds being sown, there's no germination. Without germination, there's no fruit. Jesus talked about that in John 12 and Luke chapter 8. My life, your life as a child of God is to be a living sacrifice, dying to self every day, living for Christ, being salt, being light, being sowers of the gospel. But are we doing that? Seeds have to be sown in order for a tree or a fruit to be produced. If everyone's sharing, then I believe we'd see multiplication. Before we go any further, I want to just share this last point. Any time that you or I decide that we're going to do the work of God with all sincerity, without any hindrance, any time that we say, you know what, I'm going to do more for the Lord. You know what, I'm going to start sharing my faith. You know what, we're going to start committing more to God. You know what, we're going to start giving to the Lord. We're going to start, we're going to start doing all these things. Any time that we do that, mark it down, know 100%, Satan will attack. And if Satan can't get you derailed with an attack from without, he will attack from within. He'll attack within your own family. He'll attack within your, your close circle. And if he can't get you there, he will attack within the church that you're a member of. Especially when there's multiplication going on. Like he, he doesn't like the fact that a young lady professed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior last Wednesday night at a church service, at a youth service. He doesn't like that. And he may try to derail that young lady and he may try to, to, to do some, some stirring and some distraction and some attacks in our youth ministry. He, he may try to do that. But I promise you this, next, next week or next month, three or four people are saved and added to the kingdom of God. Now Satan's going to start getting, no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he, he's going to start figuring out how do I stop this before it even gets started. That's what he's going to do. Again, he does that in individual lives. He does that in church. He does that in ministries. And that's point number two. We have to remember multiplication is usually accompanied by murmuring and will always induce more attacks and struggles. Usually whenever God's doing something and, and he's, he's, there, there's a great, uh, you know, uh, flourishing and there's multiplication going on, usually somebody's complaining about something and usually there's some type of struggle and attack associated with it. It shouldn't deter us no matter what because the prize is the same. The promises still exist. Heaven awaits. The Lord's, our, our Lord, the Lord's face is who we're going to see one day. Again, all those things are still the case. We're still striving for those words, well done, good and faithful servant. All those things. But look what happens. The, the, there arose a murmuring, the rest of the verse, of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So what was going on 
is um, all these people were gathered in the temple. They were in the houses. People had come from uh, all over. We already saw the day of Pentecost, chapter 6. There was people all over the temple, all around the temple. And so uh, the, the church was taken care of. We already saw it in chapter 5. Needs were being met. People were selling lands so that other people's needs could be met. All those things were going on, and in the midst of it all, again, people were eating and, and fellowshipping and talking about the, the Word of God, and Jesus was being taught and preached, all that stuff. In the middle of it all, there were some widows who didn't have anybody to take care of them that were being neglected. And it was specifically the Grecian ones, it says. And so there was a murmuring from the Greek Jews, the, the Greek who are now believers, against the Jewish ones. And the reason why is because their widows versus the Jewish widows were being neglected. I want to say this right off the bat. Murmuring stinks. So what is murmuring? Murmuring is griping, complaining. It stinks. It's a stench. It grieves the Holy Spirit. The attack, the struggle from within the church was subtle, but it was still an attack. This murmuring against the, the, the leaders, the murmuring against the church, you can only imagine the words that were coming out. Must be nice to be a Jew. Wow. Look how they're treating them versus us. Wow. All these things. Again, you, all this stuff, the murmuring. The, the Jews were familiar with all this though, right? Because this is exactly what happened. The murmuring in the wilderness as God had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. They began to murmur. At what God had provided for them, it wasn't enough. Again, sovereign God, allowing this church to grow and even filling the needs of the church then, even today, allowed this to go on. And so why did, why did that happen? If people were murmuring like it were in Moses' day, why did they just strike them down? Why didn't God just strike them down? Sometimes we don't see how our trials and our attacks personally and even collectively will be used to help future believers, future churches. Sometimes we go through our attacks, sometimes we go through our struggles, sometimes we face those things and we start thinking, man, I'm ready for this to be over. And we don't think about maybe God's using this for a future church, future believer. We we don't think like that. But their murmuring, their problem, the, the issue that this first church had produced a solution that we'll see next week that still benefits the church today. And those leaders were faithful to, to follow the Lord's lead, but sometimes we don't see that God can use those, those problems for future churches. It's our job to be a part of the mission and solution, not a part of the murmuring and the stink. Sometimes we lose patience. Sometimes we lose heart in the midst of the attack, in the midst of the trial. When the struggle remains and it doesn't go away, and maybe we lose the whole point of it all. But know that your trial, your struggle, our trial, our struggle is not for nothing. So I want to encourage you, be a part of the mission and the solution, not a part of the murmuring and the stink. Don't have a stinky mouth. I'm not talking about brushing your teeth. Don't be a murmurer. Be a part of the mission and the solution. 
I'm not, I'm not saying that there wasn't a real issue. And I'm not saying that there wasn't a problem with, 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 with the, the Grecian widows being neglected. A- absolutely. And, and, and if in today's context, we might be hearing it all over social media, might be blasted all over the news, might be all those things that this was actually a racial issue. And maybe it was a racial issue. Maybe it was about Jews and Greeks. The Bible says there's really nothing new under the sun, right? I'm not saying that the, the murmuring, what I'm saying is the murmuring wasn't right. The problem maybe was real, but the murmuring was the wrong one. We're going to see next week that God can still accomplish his will through all of this. He did with the children of Israel, he did with this church, and he can do it with our church. But as I'm done, there were those who missed out in that first church. There were those who were a part of the murmuring. While others were a part of the mission and the victory then. And I think there's the same groups exist in the church today. In your struggle, in our struggle, what group are you a part of? Are you a part of the gospel-sharing, struggle-enduring, solution-finding, mission-focused, multiplying group? Is that what group you're a part of? Or are you a part of the gospel silent, the struggle-consumed, the stinky-mouthed, problem-finding, murmuring group? What group are you a part of? This world soon is going to be over. There are those who haven't surrendered their life to Christ, haven't trusted Him, haven't obeyed the gospel, who are going to spend eternity in hell. And if anyone's here like that, anyone watching online like that, I beg you, please, today, before you leave, before you turn your computer off, do not pass up the amazing opportunity, the amazing truth, the gospel, that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 17 said, For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. It says that he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already. There's judgment on the person's life who does not believe. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says that the heart is where you believe, where you trust. And that produces confession. And that's how you're saved. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame. Verse 12, there's no distinction. And verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So don't leave this place. Don't turn your computer off before you make that decision to surrender your life to Christ. Let's share this good news with people in need. Let's see multiplication happen in this, in this church for the kingdom of God. Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. And pray that you'll just stir our hearts. God, help us be a part of the solution and mission and not part of murmuring and stink. Lord, help us to be faithful, to obey what you've commanded us to do. Help us live for eternity and not for this world. I pray you just move now and stir our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand just for a minute or two. As he sings, I want to encourage you to come.